0: bakers fresh for everyone hello and welcome to the social psychic radio show featuring jason zuck jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004 this show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality mediumship self-improvement and intuitive guidance whatever interests you remember that we are all here to share and learn sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of having as special guests today, David J. Brown and Rebecca Ann Hill. They are both the authors, co-authors of the book, Women in Visionary Art. Brown and Hill provide an exploration of the role that dreaming, psychedelic experiences, and mystical visions play in visionary art. This book includes discussions with 18 well-known female artists, including Josephine Wall, Alison Gray, Amanda Sage, Martina Hoffman, Penny Slinger, and Carolyn May Kleefeld. The authors reveal how they've all been inspired by deep inner experiences and seek to express non-ordinary visions of reality, reminiscent of shamanic trance states, lucid dreams, and spiritually transcendent experiences. And they show how visionary art often contains an abundance of feminine energy, helping us to heal ourselves and see that we are all connected. Since early humans first painted their mystic eye onto cave walls, artists have sought to share their sacred visions with the world. Created in every medium, from oil painting and sculpture, to contemporary digital modeling. These visionary works of art give those who experience them a chance to see the unseen, realize wider modes of perception, and discover spiritual and mystical realms. In this full color illustrated book, David J. Brown and Rebecca Ann Hill examine the work and inspirations of 18 of today's leading female visionary artists. It is with great pleasure that I welcome both of these authors, to the show. Welcome to the show, David and Ann. Rebecca, I'm sorry. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Hi.
0: It's thank you a pleasure for, to be here. Thank you so much for taking us on the show, Jason. Uh, it's a pleasure. I've been uh, really excited about this episode into the topic that your book covers. And to, I would say for our audience, one of the things I want to let them know is that this book is as as I said off the air before we got onto the episode together. uh, It's a great piece of work that you could keep on your coffee table, and it will make a great conversation piece for any gathering during the holidays or beyond. It's something that I – I've left your book on my coffee table, and a lot of people (laughs) are picking it up, looking at it, and asking me, what is this all about? And I tell them that I have an episode coming up shortly – And they can listen to the episode and gain a greater understanding by us interviewing both of you about your project. Well, um, well, thank you so much for those kind words. We're most appreciative. ah, No problem. No problem. The first question I want to ask you guys is, what gave you the motivation to create Women in Visionary Art? Okay, I'll, I'll go first with that.
2: Um, what inspired us to do this book? Um, I guess a number of different factors kind of coincided together. Um, I have been doing interview books for years. This is actually, my, I think, my sixth or seventh interview book. So it's something I've been doing for a while. But, you know, one of the biggest criticisms that I got for my book, and this was certainly not intentional, but I was criticized every book for always having more men in the book than women. And this, like I said, not intentional on my part, I was interviewing people who are, whose ideas I really appreciated and who I wanted to share their ideas with the world. but um, I really wanted to do a book with just extraordinary women so so that was part of the, the motivation for doing this book because I really wanted to do that for years. Um, another motivation is that ever since I was a teenager and experimented with psychedelics um, i 've been fascinated by the the visions that you see with closed eyes. Uh, the, the transforming three dimensional, hyper dimensional, you know, geometric, fractal, dreamlike imagery that you see that's that's just absolutely amazing. Um, that has fascinated me for a long time and any artwork that tries to capture that I, I found interesting. And in the past, you know, twenty years or so there has just been a flood amazing visionary artwork. So that was another inspiration. And then I would say probably the third factor for me in really doing this book was um, my wife, Rebecca Hill, is a visionary artist herself. And we put together a a book um, two years ago of uh, her paintings and my poetry, and we started collaborating creatively. And she introduced me to this amazing community of women visionary artists. And it was through talking to her and philosophical discussions late at night. Eventually, we got the the inspiration and then the motivation to work on the book, and then it just it magically happened. All of the women that we uh, you know wanted to interview were eager to be, participate and were eager to showcase their work. So it, it really kind of felt like like it was the time for it. You know, we couldn't have anticipated that you know the book was going to come out. You know right after the Me Too movement, right after so many women were voted into Congress, right after women are rising into power. There's an amazing right. sense of the fan rising right now. And what perfect timing. It's like there was a higher force that was working through us, orchestrating this to bring it all together.
0: I love that you what, say it that way.
1: Yeah. I was going to say David pretty much covered everything. I just want to say, by the way, I'm feeling pretty under the weather. I've been uh quite sick for the past couple of days, so I'm going to kind of be a little key in the background, but I did want to add that um, David pretty much covered everything. And I remember back when uh, we first decided to, you know, put this book together, it was really because I was painting myself, and then I, you know, of course, because I'm a painter, I wanted to be involved in, you know, this new um, or evolving uh, visionary uh, art movement that was happening. And uh, so I became friends with a lot of the artists that we interviewed and, you know, plenty of other artists. There's just tons of them now on Facebook. And I was like, you know, you have, I had never heard of a visionary art book specifically for women. And it seemed like there were so many men that were getting their art kind of showcased, but not for the women. And so I was like, we really need to, you know, it's kind of like an aha moment. Like, we kind of really need to put something together just for women. And um, and we did it. And I kind of, like, I knew of the ladies and um, knew of their work. And then we just collabed on that. And then I think it's pretty strange. As soon as the book came out, you know, we just had a lot of women that were voted into, um, into Congress and stuff. And then... This Me Too movement, it seems like David was saying, like there was some kind of like super intelligence behind the the making of this because of how everything kind of like symbolically like fell together so
0: well. I was going to say for both of you to mention that, and I'd just like to say as well, I love the fact that you tied into the recent elections where we have over 100 yeah. women going to Congress, and that's a yeah. historical first, yeah. and it's great. That's that so wonderful. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what best way to have it be celebrated than to have your book out at the same time that this is all happening in right. history? So. I mean, it was,
1: what was it? Uh, three days after in between that happening, David, that the book came out after the ladies were in Congress, or what was it?
2: It was. Yeah, so, there, so, there, so there, there were definitely higher forces. <laughs> yeah, and definitely.
1: I mean, the first book of its kind, I mean, just for women.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you both, just for our audience to understand this, because probably a lot of them are listening to this and they don't have the benefit of seeing your book yet, but what is visionary mm-hmm. art?
2: Well, oh, visionary art...
0: <laughs> okay, so, so visionary art um, is
2: art that... It basically grew out of the uh, surrealism movement. It's like those were sort of the precursors to it. It's artwork, but it's but more much more meaningful than those types of artwork. It's artwork that attempts to capture... Um, mystical experiences, uh, transcendent experiences, lucid dream experiences, uh psychedelic experiences, spiritual experiences, or experiences that go beyond the ordinary into non ordinary realms of reality. And um, people have been painting, really painting these kind of things from doing psychedelic plants for you know as long as the history. But in the past twenty years there's has been a, not only a, you know an incredible resurgence of this kind of artwork, but it's reached a level of sophistication that we have just never seen before. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done DMT or ayahuasca, but people are now able to do paintings that almost are photographic representations of these types of realities. It is extraordinary. For people who have experienced these states of consciousness and look at these paintings, it's just like, wow, I instantly recognize I've been there. They know what these things are trying to capture. So um, there's been an enormous... Uh, psychedelic renaissance going on through the scientific research more people are doing psychedelics than ever before it's reaching a a level in the mainstream acceptance like never before and um, cannabis is now legal there is now um, Colorado and California and Oregon uh, have on the ballot Uh, initiatives to legalize magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. So there's a sort of psychedelic movement happening in the world. Um, The visionary art movement, I think, is the art movement that's expressing that, but it's really part of something much bigger. You know, we talked before about how there's a women's movement happening, but really what's happening, I think, is an ecological movement. You know, we're we're suffering from horrible climate change problems right now. They are, you know, facing extinction as a species. And I think the most important, thing is raising ecological awareness and i think that's what these mystical experiences these transcendent experiences these spiritual experiences are really all about it's making people more ecologically aware so they pay more attention to their environment and so we have some chance of saving ourselves before we melt the
0: polar ice caps and drive ourselves into extinction right. exactly no i 100 agree
1: yeah, these visionary um, art and these paintings, if you really look at them and, you you know, you gaze into them and it's kind of a pattern that you see, um, like a really feminine, like, kind of essence to them. You know, weaving and ebbing and flowing and, you know, beautiful, you know, flowers and um, just it's uh, a kind of uh, visionary art. is like a real feminine, uh, has a real feminine quality to it. And so that, like, it's going to open your mind. It's going to make you think. It's going to open your heart. It's going to, you know, it's going to really make people think beyond, like, their typical dimensions of how they are usually, you know, thinking. And so I think that if you get it out into the mainstream enough people and they, you know, they actually look to pay attention to these paintings, I mean, that can be, like, profound changes in someone's life. And then, you know, from there that inspires and ignites, like, a, uh, a magic within them so that they can do their, you know, start creating and inspiring and uplifting because that's kind of what we're trying to do is like, you know, this you know, like passing the torch of creativity and magic and uh, uplifting inspiration onto others and that right there is enough to you know, help on the ecological, you know, awareness part that right there people aren't going to want to go around and, you know, Trash face and be angry and paint, you know, with all that's going on in the world. So uh, it goes
2: deep as far as like opening eyes. Yeah, let I me mean, I mean just add yeah, that the vision of very visionary artwork is almost like a psychedelic experience <laughs> unto itself. You don't need the plants or the drugs. You, you can just stare into one of these paintings and it can
0: produce an altered state of consciousness. Right. That's great. Yeah. What, are the, what are the common themes in visionary artwork? I'm sorry, what are the what? Theme. What are the common themes that you find in visionary artwork? Uh, common themes in visionary artwork: uh,
2: transformation, transcendence,
1: uh, rebirth, the white,
2: light. You know, uh, the white light, death and rebirth. Um, people are often trying to capture sometimes um, entities or uh, non-human entities that they communicate with. Um, mm-hmm. elements, of, uh, elements of elements of the goddess uh, is a common theme. Um, But basically transcendence and mystical aspects of reality and um, non-ordinary aspects of reality. Um, Sexuality is another theme. Um,
1: Uh, Snakes, I wanted to put that one out there. That's a big one, especially uh, in terms of like ayahuasca, those kind of visionary experiences that you can have through the ayahs. Like, you know, you see a painting of a snake. And usually it's like bejeweled and it's coming out of their mouth and or, or it's interwoven of, you know within their spinal column and it's like, you know, you see that you know oh that's you know ayahuasca or you know what
2: I mean? Yes, yeah, exactly. That's the the transformation from human to animal, from animal to human is it, a common theme not only in the in the contemporary visionary artwork that you know we explore in the book it's one of the themes that you find in some of the oldest artwork. It's, it's thousands of years mm-hmm. old in, in caves in France. They found um, artwork that looks like it was drawn by people who were under the influence of uh, psychedelic plants. And that's one of the things you see is the transformation from human to animal and animal to human. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, human-hybrids. It's a very common theme among, uh, among shamans and, and the uh, ayahuasca regions of the uh, Amazon as well.
1: Yeah. The other big one I wanted to say real quickly was the eyes, the eyes, the all-knowing eyes, you know, whether they're running through, you know, the galaxy or they're within, like, the anatomy of the body or there's, like, one, you know, the third eye focal point uh, for, you know, representing the pineal gland or um, eyes just interwoven throughout, um, you know, the sky, whatever it may be, you see, like, quite a few of those eyes, and then anybody knows you take a psychedelic and you go through this journey, you're, you, there's eyes everywhere. Everything's conscious. Everything's, you know, of, aware of itself. And so that you see the eyes, and then it's kind of like representative of of the all-knowing or, you know, the, the Godhead or, you oh. know, the, the wisdom within, you know, the pineal gland.
0: Can I notice that you showcase these individual female artists. I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, starting with Alison Gray. Yeah,
2: you conducted I her. an interview with
0: her. Yeah. So you interviewed <laughs> her first. And can you tell us a little about the process of how you got her into the book and you highlight regarding her yeah. particular involvement yeah, well, I, I, her. No, Alison has been a friend. Alex and Alison Gray have been friends right. of mine.
2: Since nineteen ninety five. I was friends with Alex uh, long before anybody really knew who he was. It was it was it was tool that made Alex Gray's work famous sometimes <laughs> in the late 90s, The Band Tool. Um, before that, you know, Alex did the cover of my book, uh, Voices from the Edge, and I remember telling people at the time, Alex Gray is doing the cover of my book, and nobody even knew who he was at the time. <laughs> um, he became famous then through Tool and then through the Internet, and now, of course, everybody knows Alex and Allison, his wife, Allison's work, and their uh, creation of Cosm. and um and uh, right. yeah, yeah they're building a sacred temple in upstate new york and and all that so so they've been probably you know not only friends but been a centerpiece in the visionary art community their their center Ka for mirrors in upstate new york is is a is a partial school a partial art gallery and uh, and you know an all around global center for visionary artwork
1: which is now they're, being created into Ithion, which is the newer the bigger project which is uh, more uh, like a showcase, like the visual experience, you know, that's going from, in Cosm itself, is already huge enough. But n- now they're actually in the process of actually building the temple. That's been a, so like, a lifelong
0: that, project.
2: Right. Of course, Alison Gray was actually the, the first person that we interviewed for the book. She was the person who got it started. So it was really her that, um, that provided us with the inspiration for doing the rest of the book. So she was the first one we did, and she's someone I've known for for quite a while. And uh, I think that what she added to the book is, is absolutely essential. We couldn't have done it without her. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at really page inspiring. 29. Uh, I was
0: going to say, 29. I'm looking at page 29 of your book, which is Realms yeah, of I the am Unpronounceable. Too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, what I love looking at, I'm into sacred geometry, and I like the shapes of, of this particular image that I'm looking at. This, It's incredible. And I think, have you her, ever her tapped work, into her this? Her work with, uh,
2: I'm
0: sorry. Her work let's try, with, yeah, go the, ahead.
2: With, her, her work with sacred geometry and secret languages, especially, is really her, uh, her forte.
1: Yeah, amazing. right. So have you great. tapped into this uh, with uh, any kind of uh, you know, shamanic experience or through meditation or drumming? Because I've actually seen this, you know, the order, and I've also seen the chaos. Uh, and I've also seen the secret language, but it's totally okay. different than Allison's.
0: I want to tell you, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm an intuitive psychic medium. So my intuition's very high, and I'm very connected spiritually with the stuff that I do on a daily basis. And I'm looking yeah. at this right now, the realm of the unpronounceable. and the way I feel about it is it's almost to me like the even though it's a still photo, it's a still image in the book. It feels like everything's moving around, and it has a certain <laughs> harmony to it. And it shows a lot of complicated and intricate parts, yet everything's interconnected. To me, that yeah, would reflect yeah. uh, the interconnectedness of our universe and everything within it and all the intermittent oh, parts sure. and everything else. That's what I get looking at it, but that's just me. And if yeah, you no, that's
1: closely, wonderful. If you look real closely at this, you can actually see, like, the the secret language inside of the unpronounceable.
0: Do you see that? And one of the things I want – yeah, one of the things I I'm sorry, Roger, For our audience who doesn't have this in front of them, can you kind of describe what we're looking at? Because keep in mind, this isn't video. This is audio. Right. So just to give them the benefit of a general description of what we're actually seeing.
1: Okay. So you want me to give a description? All right. So just it's a whole you, bunch yeah. of teeny tiny blocks. And each teeny tiny block – has hues of every single color in the rainbow spectrum. And it, so it's going from, you know, your indigo, your violet, the blue, green, yellow, red, you know, so all the colors, um, I think there's eight different colors. It didn't she say eight different colors, or was it 19 that she made? I'm forgetting now. But anyways, it's a, a bunch of colors, and um, so there's these little tiny squares, and the order is, like, representative for, like, everything that uh, that's going smooth in life, that, you know, that's actually in order. And those are blocks are very uh, just, you know, they're in order. Then you have the chaos, which is blocks that just kind of look like they're falling all out of arrangement, but they still have, like, the same color scheme of pattern. And then the secret language, which is the unpronounceable, they're just—it's a kind of uh, language that's very secret. It's for her something that she's tapping into and that she's bringing out into the physical. And so she actually puts that on top of the the order or the chaos. Like sometimes she'll uh, intertwine them all together, or she'll do a piece specifically based on the chaos or the order or the secret language. But it, but she is always with the with the eight basic colors. I think I got Can
2: that. I, I think something. I know that. <laughs> Can I say something about the, about the secret language? Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the origin of the secret language, um, there's been a whole book actually written on this subject. I'm trying to remember the author's name. It's escaping me at the moment. But um but uh, Alison Gray wrote the introduction uh, to the book. Um it's called, the, it begins with a Z, the, the xenolinguistic, the xenolinguistic code or something like that. But the, this is this is where it comes from. For a lot of people, when they smoke DMT, uh, dimethyltryptamine, which is one of the most powerful psychedelics known and one of the ingredients in ayahuasca, when people do high doses of ayahuasca, they oftentimes see incorporated into their visions what looks like a kind of hieroglyphic language. It looks like some kind of weird mix of, you know, like Arabic and Egyptian and strange kind of characters. Everybody seems to see different ones. And there's been a lot of speculation as to what this is, whether it's some kind of pre-linguistic code in the brain, whether it's some kind of machine language that the brain uses to create reality or, you know, or whether it's some kind of, you know, archetypal structures in the brain for the creation of language or whether it's actually the language that maybe some kind of alien species is using to communicate. We don't know, but it's a really common experience that people who do do dimethyltryptamine seem to see this language. I myself have seen it. um, Yeah, Emily Kell does it too. So, yeah, so so, so it's so it's an interesting phenomenon. And people who are interested should pick up that that book. Like I said, I can't remember the author's name, but um, it begins with an X, Xenolinguistic or something
0: like that is the title. And um, it's, it's a very, very fascinating subject. Wow, that's great. Uh, I, I like the duality of that in the same work. You have many things that you're looking at, but there's a duality as well. And I really like that a lot. There's a deeper mm-hmm. meaning than just. The images that are oh, in front there's
1: of there's so much symbolic um, there's so many symbolic and messages interwoven in between between all I even
0: uh Go ahead. I wanna highlight each of these artists to the best of our ability within our show and I'm looking at Amanda Sage and I wanted to see here that you have for her is sprouting seeds and organic symmetry. And I wanted to ask you what made you come up with that title for this chapter and how is it reflective of your interview and your experience of including Amanda Sage within this work?
1: All right, David, you take that one away because you actually came up with the title.
2: Um, well, it comes from the particular style of work that she does. Um, she uses, uh, there, there's a, a motif, a recurring motif in her work of, of a seed. Um, many of her paintings look like they have a seed in the center and everything radiates out from the seed. Um, and basically, that are spr- sprouting into the into the vid itself. Um, there's also a type of, of symmetry that appears to be almost biological or organic in her work. So that title came um, most from her painting style, and she, and she discusses it in the interview a little bit about you know, her inspiration for this. But um, but the seed structure is an, an important theme in uh, in Amanda's work. Want to add something more to that, Rebecca?
1: Well, I mean, I think that when, if I can remember correctly, she was saying that the seed is pretty much like a safe container that she created. Like, where is your, like, safe haven at? Where is your, where somewhere that you can go and just, like, let go and feel peace and relaxed? And... She was, like, created, like, this egg shape, you know, because a lot of people would say, you know, what's the deal with the eggs? And she's like, you know, it's not an egg. I mean, it could be an egg. It looks like an egg. and But it's really a seed, and I'm planting for, like, a safe container for myself. And then I, uh, she said that she had actually had a, a, a visionary experience somehow, uh, and there was, like, she had seen the egg, and uh, so that became, like, a really common kind of uh, uh, symbolic language for her to put into all of the paintings. And it was something original and something, like, uh, safe, I guess. I, I don't want to misquote any of her, uh, of what she said. But um, pretty much just it is uh, symbolic, you know, uh, and it's organic symmetry. And it's something that just... Uh, that she just came up with and kept, you know, kept using it in her paintings because it was something symbolic to her and meaningful to her I and mean, other people can relate, you know. I mean, I've seen the same uh, thing.
0: You know, one of the things I'm looking at, and I see this by looking at the book, this chapter on, on what you have here for Amanda, and I like the extension um, image that you have on page 49, um, I'm not gonna get too in detail with it, but it fits the idea that you're talking all about when you eggs. say that it's dealing with seeds and the eggs and the cosmos. Yeah. To me that represents right. the beginning, at least my interpretation. The beginning but it's, of it's, all uh, everything. Yeah, really it's really yeah. great. It's a it's a great image right, of integrated. Right. Image. Yeah, yeah, the, the title
2: of that image was called Egg Section. Egg right,
0: right. That's great. I wanted to ask you when you actually conducted this these interviews. Did you sit down with the artists? I mean, you're you're also artist yourself, but did you well, sit down with them and have them take their portraits and their and their works of art, and they would explain it to you directly, or did you? How did you go about capturing it, it, their It, it was done in
2: different ways. It, 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 we, we did them differently. They weren't the same for every artist. Um, some of the artists um, we we sat down personally with and interviewed with one on one in person. Uh, some of the artists we just did on Skype over the over Skype. Um, some we did over the phone, and some we just did through email. So we did, we, we, we let the artist choose how they wanted to be interviewed and how they wanted to communicate. Um, so right. we gave it up to them, and each each person had a different uh, a different mode
0: for how they wanted to do it. Okay, interesting that, as that is. Yeah. I wanted to also do these women know each other since they're all in the same genre yeah. of art.
1: I. I love it because it is a huge community, and I mean, with obviously we have the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the social media sites that we have. Then you know, and then all the festivals as well. You know, we're meeting these people. We're going to these festivals. We're dancing. There's like huge uh, crowd of you know women and men that go in live paint and dance as they're painting. And so you're you're meeting everyone, and then you're connecting on Facebook, and you're actually seeing the it's like a very very uh, unusual uh, it's unusual, but it's very everybody's paintings are very similar at the same time, but they all they have their unique twist. But you understand that there there really is like a a pattern, interwoven pattern of these symbolic images, and if you're in the, the know of it, if you're in, you know, the the community, then you're going to know what they're trying to say through the visual art. And so, yeah, everybody, especially because of the Internet and the festivals, just, we know everyone. Um, you know, and it's a, a really great way to meet People And then actually get inspiration for your own work and just to have support and community. And, you know, that's how I met everybody. That's how this book became what it was, was through, you know, the Internet and through my own paintings. And I was, you know, a lot of these women I actually look up to not in a like a power dynamic way, but I mean, you know, a lot of the women, they're older than me, they have, um, you know, life experiences that I don't, or they're very cultured in a certain, you know, certain ways that I'm not, and it's hugely inspiring for me to see that, you know, to, like, oh, hey, you know, I want to become, I want to do what they're doing and you know and you learn a lot from it i mean and then they even shared some of the secrets uh you know and little tips and tools and techniques about how to actually paint how to tap into that inner awareness that you know the all knowing eye and cultivate something that's magical and like truly original but within like the same pattern and I uh, said so anybody that reads this book is just gonna it's gonna blow their mind. <laughs> it's really something That's amazing. really yeah. beautiful,
2: yeah. Yeah, because you know I just wanted to add something about the That there, there there's there you know, there there there's a definitely a community of visionary artists that we were trying to um put together in this in this book. And some of them know each other more than others. Like yeah, um, there's, right. there's, there's 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 a number of the women that that participate at COSM. You know, we're talking about the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors in upstate New York, like Alice Gray and Amanda Sage and, um, I guess, Martina Hoffman and, uh, yeah. um, Emily Kell. Yeah. Emily Kell. They're, they're, there a lot. And there are some of the other women who are a little more independent. Um, yeah. Like, Singer
1: like, and then Carolyn Cleefield.
2: Yeah. And, and maybe originally. Joseph. yeah. And, 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 um, Nana Newwald. There's a few that are a little more independent, but, um, but there's, all, there's common themes running through all of them, and they all kind of connect. And there was a specific community that we really were
0: trying to to capture with the book. Yeah. I want to ask you about Penny Slinger, because I'm looking at her oh, chapter,
1: her.
0: <laughs> her area, Tantric Secrets, Feminist Surrealism, 64 Dakinis, and The goddess. And I want to yeah. ask yes. you if you could describe your incorporation really... of Penny Slinger into this work. Well, Penny has been a, a
2: very close friend of mine for uh, maybe about 15 years as well. I've known her about as long as I've known Alison Gray. Um, she she lived nearby for, for years. I met her at a wedding in Hawaii, and then I found out she lived nearby, and we haven't spent a lot of time together over the years. Um, Penny is unusual uh, in the book in that she's really gone through many, many different styles of artwork over the years. She's a photographer. She's a model. She does a surrealistic artwork, visionary artwork. Um, she's traveled a lot and, you know, painted in many different places and really incorporated different cultural styles into her work. So she's um, one of the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very Um, cultured. She's she's one of the most experimental um, Mm. women, I think, in the artists in the book who's experimented with the most types of styles and sculptures. And and, um, she's always, you know, trying something new. And uh, we've been very impressed, very inspired
0: by, by her work and by her support over the years. Uh, I was just going to say one one of the things I see in her work is that there's a lot of nature incorporated with her with her artwork, and I think it's great. It's a it's a yeah, you know, really she, good she, 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 image. Well, up, up until
2: recently, she's been she's been living out in uh, in Boulder Creek in, uh, in the middle of a beautiful redwood forest. Um, so it's probably a part of the inspiration for the nature work. So so she's very, she's very she's ecologically. very connected to the ecological, you know, awareness and too very, very, you know, um, concerned about the ecological crisis on the planet right now. Did you want to add something, Rebecca?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I have some thoughts kind of like floating around in my mind about Penny and, you know, we were talking about how everybody, you know, there's this whole visionary art scene and, you know, uh, you know, all the festival goers and things like that. And I've actually had a pretty challenging time trying to kind of, like, I guess, fit in with this whole movement. Like, I just feel like I'm, you know, I don't really belong or I, you know, we all have these insecurities. And when I became friends with Penny, it was like, I it was like the goddess sent her to me because it was this magical, amazing stylish, very cultured, very creative woman that I looked up to so highly, and she is into, you know, a lot of the things that I'm into as far as, like, photography and film and, you know, makeup and uh, just painting, everything, she's into it all, and that's kind of how I am. And, uh, but I went there and she was so vulnerable and it opened up to me about, you know, things that, you know, like she didn't really felt like, you know, that she was in or she wasn't um, you know, her, her, her list got in the way or, you know, the when she was younger, all the insecurities that she had to kind of face and how she was a loner. And it was like, wow, here's this magical woman that I look up to and she's sitting here and she's telling me about all these insecurities. And, I mean, I have a list too, and so that kind of, like, you know, it's a little embarrassing. I'm trying to learn to let go, but um, you know, things. I just don't really feel like I fit in. And she was still. It. It's not about fitting in. It's about staying original and true to, you know, whatever comes through to you in your in your own creativity. You know, and she was one of the. You know, she was the only woman that I looked up to. That you know, she bit thin but she didn't uh, she wasn't a real big part of the festival scene you know what I mean so uh, I kind of felt Absolutely. really connected to her in that way
0: excellent when you mention or reference festival scene I was wondering if you have any specific festivals in case our audience is wondering what festivals you're referencing uh, if you could name which whichever ones you're um, previously well discussing. of course
1: there's Burning Man and Burning Man okay. is huge and it's just David's been a couple of times. I've never been um, something you really have to prepare for. But I know a lot of people who have been and that go, you know, nearly. Um, But besides that, there's much smaller festivals around. Like we have the uh, Electric Forest and the Rainbow Festival. What
2: other ones are there, David? The the
1: the Rainbow Festival.
2: Starwood Festival, the Rainbow Gathering. Um, I mean,
1: there's tons of them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's,
2: there's, the there's, there's, there's tons. Of, yeah, I and mean, what a, just, lot of these, a lot of these women do is they, is they do live painting
0: at the festival. Yeah. Like, while there's music playing, they will be live painting in the background. Great. Sorry, I was going to say, I've i been to one festival so far. It was a small thing called Earth Dance, which was here in Tampa. Well, in the Tampa area, Lakeland area, last year in 2017. Oh, cool. That was my first festival I've ever made it to, and it was a smaller scaled one, but yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I can I, understand I what you're describing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. i mean they have think, music think... and
1: activities workshops you know dancing to life painting um workshops for uh meditation and yoga or learning you know uh, sh- how to sh- shamanic journey and, and or how to deal with your anger or you know how to uh you know open yourself up more to you know the, uh, the source or whatever it may be there's just tons and tons depending on the festival you know, there's just tons of things yes. to do, but really it all comes down to one thing, and that's connecting, you know, with like minded people.
2: Correct. I mean,
1: there's thousands of us now, thousands. Burning Man
2: is the size of a, of a... It becomes, I think, the third largest city in Nevada for that one week. That's wow. how many people... Flew. It's like amazing. 40 or 50,000 people, and it is extraordinary. It is amazing there. Yeah. It's a fully psychedelic city. They have... They have they have streets, they have a newspaper, they have a mayor, they have everything. It's
0: just unbelievable. <laughs> I think it's
1: more like 70,000, <laughs> seriously, for one week.
0: And if I'm correct, yeah, i say that when you're done with the festival, you don't leave a trace of anything left behind in Nevada when you're there in the desert. Everything goes that's, with you. That's, yeah,
2: that's, the I rule. Mean, that's, that's the rule for Burning Man. I'm not sure about the other festivals, but that is the rule of Burning Man. Leave no well, trace.
1: That's, that's amazing. oh generally, but I did hear from um, I, a festival. I'm not going to say which one, but I did hear that there were a lot of, you know, people that weren't very ecologically aware in there, and they're leaving their trash or they're leaving, you know, a, a kid left a whole sofa out there, you know, and, you know, they're right there on the lake, and so there's plastic getting into the water, and it's just some of the festivals, you know, there's, I mean, People that go there that aren't so ecologically aware and just kind of leave there mm-hmm. everywhere. So if you're listening to this, please pick up your
0: trash. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously. I want, to, I want to tie us back into the book, and I'm looking at the chapter regarding Martina Hoffman, Portals and Mirrors. Uh, and I want to see if you can yeah. describe your experience working with Martina for this for your Women of Visionary Art book.
1: Martina is my love. I'm so inspired by her. I'm in, you're gonna hear me say that about every one of the the women here in this book. But she's really captured something about ayahuasca that I've never been able to see with another uh, by another artist. And she is so wise. And she actually had a um, a partner who passed away um, quite a few years back. And she was very open and intimate with David and I about their relationship. And he is the reason that she started painting more in the way that she started to paint. And she he was basically her, his name was Robert. He was basically her coach. And it's through him that she got more inspiration for uh, picking up the, the oil paintings and the acrylic paintings. But, um, no, uh, I guess, like, her art is very ayahuasca-like. I mean, the snakes are very common in her work, and she does a lot of portrait Mm -hmm. style. What would you say about Martina? Oh, the sculpting, too. She was a beautiful sculptor. She is a beautiful sculptor. She Mm -hmm. went to college and actually studied sculpting. So she does, like, this whole goddess series and, you know, women that actually have curves and have, you know, a little bit of belly and, you know, a nice butt, you know, there is better than that, super skinny. So it's like all all of the female forms and celebrating the beauty with all your, you know, whatever shape or size that you are, you know. I think a lot more people, especially women, really need to be aware, you know, about their body image and, Learning how to celebrate themselves instead of trying to be, you know, whatever's in Go magazine.
2: <laughs> yeah, that sure. was beautifully put. I don't know that I have anything to really add about that. I just wanted to say that um, that Martina's ex partner, um, who passed away, that Robert, was, yeah, we, yeah was, was is Robert Venosa, the visionary artist whose work people are a lot of people oh, are familiar with. So Robert Vanessa, he's, he's done a few yeah. books of his work, has been published, but they were together for many years, and uh, she, he was a huge inspiration to her. Yeah, It kind of uh, reminded a, me of
1: you, you and I, David. It was kind of like a twin flame thing we got going on, and we were seeing like that through then. Yeah,
2: you know? like, like a, you and like me. Like a just, reflective mirror. Yeah, <laughs> like you and me and like Alex uh, Allison, and Alex. And
1: Alex and. and Allison, yeah. It's like the twin flame thing. Have you ever heard the that expression, Jason, the twin flame. Yes,
0: I have. Much more, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So there really is something to that. There truly, I really, truly, I mean, I'm, I don't know anything for certain who does, but I do know that it feels like there's this twin, this really great twin flame dynamic going on, and I see so much of it throughout different, uh, you know, visionaries. I just, it is, they're everywhere. It's rare, but, I mean, if you see them and you talk to them, then you, it's pretty, you pretty much know spot on, oh, that's their twin. You know, and that's kind of how Alex and Allison remind me, and then Robert and uh, Martina are another example of that.
0: I'm looking here. The only thing I wanted to add in about Martina is that in your chapter that you have for her, page 120, actually, talk, actually yeah. there's an image that she has, Healing Spirit, 2011, and it looks like it's a portrait that features Robert's image within the actual artwork. And I think that's great. And then, so that's a nice uh, yes, little tribute that you yeah. included in there.
1: Oh uh, yeah. She's, I mean, I think she's yeah. even currently creating a, um, another painting of Robert. I mean, he was a, he's a muse and he's a, you know, they were together for uh, quite a long time. They, you know, but and I love that she can celebrate and bring forward his work. You know, now I, now, I mean, he's very much. She even says in the interview, she's very much more uh, spiritually connected to him now than they were when he was here physically. You know, and
2: yeah, and yeah. The, yeah. Was, yeah she, she she actually said in the interview. I'm looking at the interview. She said, "Today, I feel that Robert has become one of my primary guides and protector spirits." He offers me wise counsel whenever I need him. So, yeah, she feels That's like great. she's, she's it's just as connected to him now as she ever was, she says.
0: I, I like the fact that she incorporates it into her, her work, and you could tell that there's a very close connection there, even beyond that. Oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Angel Deities, your interview with Mora Holden. Ah,
1: and if you Holden. have anything
0: distinctive okay. about Mora Holden that you'd like to share with her audience.
1: She is, she's fantastic. I mean, I'll let David cover this one, but I just want everyone to know she is self-taught. So if you don't have the actual, you know, the you know, if you don't have the finances to actually go and, you know, off to a school and get, you know, you know, cultured and uh, the kind of skills that you need to become an artist, if you really can teach yourself. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars. You can, if you put the work in and you practice, I mean, this woman is phenomenal, and she is all self-taught, but, uh, David,
2: you can take over. Yeah. That is the most amazing <laughs> thing about Maura Holden, really. That's the most impressive thing, and I was so surprised, as with Molly, to, uh, Rebecca, as with Rebecca, to find out that uh, she was self-taught, because her work is so intricately detailed. I mean, it's just there's, the, the detail in her work is just absolutely exquisite. She's able to capture these just magnificent visions and in mandala-like detail. And um, I mean, I'm looking at them right now as I'm talking to you, it's almost like falling. And the into
1: characters, like, the characters are wildly original and different and dreamlike and just so like. The common, but with like the big alien head and the weird eyes and the—I mean, it's just, you, i mean, if you're looking at the book, you can see what I'm talking about. But these are like deities from her dream space, and I wonder, you know, what is the reality to this? Actual entity that she's, you know, like maybe a soul clan kind of connected to in that kind of way, or—I mean, I just wonder, like, what are they, what is this? You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah yeah well that, that was another that was another important theme in our book. We asked almost everybody we interviewed whether they um, felt at times like they were receiving invisible guidance from some type of spirit or non-human entity. And uh, every single person that we asked, I think, responded uh, affirmatively to that and said that they do feel like they're in touch with different goddess entities or deities or spirits or, you know, some type of something that they're communicating with or news that's helping to guide their work. And, um, I mean, I'm looking at, more Holden's work right now. I mean, I'm seeing a a face with three faces growing out of it with four faces growing out of them with like fish growing out of those heads and snakes swarming around and I mean, and then eyes growing out of everywhere. It's just an amazing, amazing kind of conglomeration of of what these deities must look like. But uh, I think, you know, from her point of view, she's just translating these things. You know, she's not so much creating as trying to capture what
0: she's seeing. You know, I find... Uh, interesting. When I'm looking at her work, uh, I noticed that you'd asked her about her influence from Salvador Dali and Ernst Fuchs on her creative work in her interview. And yeah. uh, here in St. Pete, in in Florida, we have the Salvador Dali Museum, which is a lot uh, uh, a lot of his artworks there. And I'm very familiar with that over the years, visiting multiple times. And I could see the influence that you know. At least I could see from the, the Dali that I'd been exposed to his works. That you could see the yeah. uh, influence in her work from that, and the fact that she's self-taught is pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I could see I could see Dolly's influence as well. I, I've always wanted to uh, to visit that museum in Florida. I've been a
0: big fan of Dolly
2: for for a long time. What What really differentiates though surrealistic um, work like Dolly's work and Max Ernst's work uh, from the visionary artwork is um, that a lot of the Surrealistic artwork doesn't really have deep meaning in it. It's more like just mm-hmm. random dream imagery, and there's oftentimes a you know a spiritual message or a transcendent message encoded into the visionary mm-hmm. artwork. So it's not just random bizarre imagery, but actually carrying a kind of
0: deeper spiritual message. I'm just moving through this because I know we have about sort of number, we have about 20 minutes still left. Uh, I want to ask you happens. about
1: wow.
0: yeah, it goes it goes fast. The Alchemy of Creative Ecstasy with Carolyn Mary Cleefield. We discuss what brought you to highlight her work and incorporate her into the women of visionary art.
1: David's been really great friends with this woman for a long time. And I'm really good friends with her now, too. But I'll let him take this question over. But she is fabulous.
2: (laughs) She really is yeah yeah- Car- Carolyn has been one of my one of my closest friends really for for over twenty five years um She did the cover of my first book um we collaborated on a number of different creative projects over the years. She was interviewed for my book Mavericks of the Mind as well um I think she's one of the more probably maybe the most original artist in the book. It seems like she her work doesn't really have a lot of influence from other artists. She does a type of expressionistic uh work that she doesn't really call visionary um or psychedelic. Yeah. Um she calls it visionary expressionism I think is the is the term um that she uses but uh it's it's a type of expressionistic work that maybe is more reminiscent of like Van Gogh's work or Picasso's work and um but has a transcendent mystical quality to it as well. I, I I love her work very much. I've loved it for years. I have her work hanging on the other on walls of our house here and um I've had, uh, they're almost like portals into other universes. <laughs> I, I love
1: that her with her po- with her paintings, she does, uh, you know, poems. She writes portraits as well for a lot of the paintings. And it's like it gives you a better glimpse into, like, what she's kind of, you know, representing in the paintings. But the thing is, you can look at her paintings, and everyone is going to interpret what they see within the abstract piece itself, you know, and, and it might be totally different than, you know, what Carolyn was feeling at that time. And she'll write a poem, poem about it. I know that I've looked at a piece of hers and have, you know, oh, this is, you know, this and this and this. And then I read the poetry that goes along with it. And I was like, okay, wow, she was on a totally different page than me. So I, it's really interesting to see what, you know, what, people see within an abstract piece of work.
2: I love abstract work. Yeah, yeah, she actually calls her work uh, Romantic Figurative to Abstract Expressionism is the, is the genre of art that she uses to describe it. But it's really it's really unique and original and there's really nothing else nothing else quite like it. And there's something exquisitely beautiful about it and peaceful and um, paradisical about her work. Heavenly, I guess it's maybe. very angelic. Work. Yeah.
1: Very angelic, yeah. <laughs> What I, what I like
0: about her looking at her work I love the vivid colors she uses and I like yeah. like you said it's 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 really beautiful uh Isabella the Polish gypsy on page 151 is a very beautiful distinctive work uh yeah, and she has the poem above it in the wild element I like uh, I like yeah. the way that that's featured in your it's very pretty. Yeah
2: that's actually the cover of one of her books, that painting, of Isabella, the Polish Gypsy. That's on the cover of her book, Vagabond Dogs*, which is a collection of poetry that she did. But uh, yeah, she's an extremely talented and really magical woman
0: wow. and been a
2: dear friend for many years.
0: Really a dear friend. I do like her style. And I, you know what I like about our interview today? Is that we're featuring so many different forms of different oh, yeah. artists and their different approaches, unique approaches. Oh, I it's really and hard I, to um,
1: bridge a lot of you know, original people together. Like I said, they all, like, captured that, that visionary experience, that vision, you know what I mean? But they are the transcendent experience, but they all are very unique in their own way too.
0: Correct. I wanted to a- ask you about Jessica Perlstein, Blending Creativity and Spirituality. What made yeah. you decide to include Jessica in this work?
1: Well, I actually introduced David to Jessica. She had been a Facebook friend of mine, and I just really loved her work. I mean, I was seeing that she was doing live paintings at festivals, and she uh, did this beautiful piece, and I remember I fell in love with it. it was, it's called uh, Cosmic Nectar. And it's a, um, the hummingbird, and the hummingbird is, like, having all these, like, really cool, mm-hmm. vibrant, like, vibrations kind of spiraling around and out and interwoven through all of the plants. And um, and then you see the DNA helix and it's kind of, like, going down into the plants mm-hmm. and has, has, like, a luminous glow around everything, and it was something that... I really, I, I, I tuned into that. It really and I started looking at her work. I was like, wow, you know, she actually is really great. And um, I think she might be like a year or two older than me. like. Uh, but um, I knew that she had to be in this book along with uh, Ashley Foreman. Um, but her and Ashley Foreman, I was like, they have to be a part of this book because they, they're young and they represent something that's, you know, represent, like, this youth and this, these transcendent experiences, and they, even though, you know, physically, you know, they're a, a bit younger than some of the women, they're, in their their mentality, they're really wise, and you can see it through their paintings and their expressions and the way that they carry themselves and talk, and, you know, very ecological aware, and so, you know, it's not all about, you know, biological age. I mean, i want to truly believe that we're much older and wiser and you know, souls than what's on the the, sur- the surface. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to bring her into the book. It's one of the main reasons was to show people that you know, younger women can have, and younger men too, but younger women do you have this wisdom within. And I think that each generation is just getting more we're getting smarter and wiser and more ecological of aware and so
2: that that was my thoughts with her but uh,
1: what do you
2: think david yeah well thank you for that i just, like i really appreciate what she just said but covered it really well expressed it really well um like i like molly like rebecca just said by the way i keep calling her molly because her <laughs> name is molly moon sparkle so just yeah. so people know that's why i keep recurring to rebecca as everybody molly. calls me molly but, <laughs> But um, but in any case, um, I was very impressed when Molly showed me Jessica's work. And what really impressed me the most is she captures uh, ayahuasca visions again, like Martina, very, very well. There's an ayahuasca spirit to them. I think that's captured very well. And she's uh, she also tries to um, paint about visions of the future and, and visions of future communities uh,
0: that are more harmonious
2: and ecologically um harmoniously connected, and she's also a wonderful life of evolves um, here she is painting at the o z o r a festival in uh, twenty sixteen so um she's she's young and vibrant, and we wanted to include you know women like Mike Molly just said women that were um, both uh, very accomplished and also some of women that were just starting who also were talented to show the spectrum
1: theres be a really wide variety in race and age and um, culture and uh, just you know uh, the whole spectrum. We didn't want anybody to feel like kind of like excluded. We wanted and we wanted people to see that within every you know race or uh, kind of uh, no matter your age or you know where you come from, this visionary experience is being captured through a lot of people. You know a lot, a whole variety of different people. And, um, but yeah, so anyways, um, back to what David was
2: saying, I kind of got off of the, uh, wow. edge there. No
0: Again. I'm
2: looking at, you know, you know, you know, you know for, it's interesting. I mean, the, like, it's like I was telling, you know, saying at the beginning, Um, that one of the major criticisms I got from my previous books was that the men outnumbered the women, you know, ratio-wise. And um, so we tried really hard in this book, you know, just women, and we interviewed women from all over the world, you know, from California, from Canada, from from Israel, Israel, I mean, really all over the world we tried to represent women. But...
0: Tell you, the
2: criticisms the criticism still come. I mean, I, I got one. Oh the other yeah, day. and they always. You know, I mean, I got one the other day. Somebody wrote me and said, "Are there any black women in the book?" And I realized we actually don't have any African women in the book. So, so but, we didn't get. You no. Know,
1: Let me just say something real quickly now. Just because there's no, you know, African American people that are in the book itself. We do have artists that showcase African-American uh, women, which would be one of them, Emily Kell, has a huge, her paintings are, uh, I think she has quite a few women that are actually of African, uh, African-American. And right. uh, they're, they're showcased in the book. There's like, I mean, it's not that we're trying to leave anybody out, or we never intended to do that. The whole point of the book was to bring people together, right? I would rather be. Do
0: that. Right, yeah. Well, and one of the things I'm looking at seeing this book itself is there's just such a broad spectrum of different styles that you yeah. incorporate into your your collection. Um, one of looking at the current artist Jessica's "Building Tribal Future" painting here, image is beautiful. It it, it shows the influence of what looks like the Mayan culture on the bottom. It's got some sacred geometry incorporated into it, and it looks like this incredible, I mean, just an a, amazing it? image in the middle. It's on page 177 of your book. It's called Building Tribal uh, Future. With the
1: hunting bird?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 pretty yeah, bird yeah, rising up. Right. Yep, that, it's a, it's definitely a an amazing, amazing image that she created. And then mm-hmm. I compare that. Well, actually, 178 is the cosmic nectar. I think that contains the hummingbird. And I'm trying to figure out which bird that is, in the building tribal future, but I like the way that she uses a similar setup for both of these images, but they are so different. Right?
1: Yeah, they are, in and the you co- see that throughout context. all of. Yes, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. you actually you can see that, in, in a lot of the women actually you can, you can see that in um well who's the Israeli woman that we interviewed Molly? Uh, um, Noah. Yeah, Noah. There's a certain symmetry that like you can see in all of her paintings, and, oh, and Amanda, in yeah. Amanda okay. Sage, that, that that C shape again, and you can see it in Jessica's work too. There's a, a real similar kind of pattern. You can see it uses. in everyone. Yeah, I
1: mean, once you get in the flow, so the first thing is like a whole period, uh, you know, getting experimental with your paint and your whatever tools you're using, and a lot of practice. I mean, just like with everything else, you want to be good at it. You gotta practice. You you know you're getting inspiration through all of these uh, images that you're seeing in from all of the rest of the psychedelic community, and you're having these visual visionary experiences, whether it's through psychedelics or drumming or meditation, or you know uh, any of that that you know, your dream, whatever it may be, that you know transcends you know this normal realm of consciousness. You have that, and you have the other inspiration of seeing the other women or the you know, guys in the visionary field creating their art and you experiment and you practice and over time you will gain a original piece of you know, like my thing right now is the moon. So most of my paintings that I'm doing all have something symbolic of the moon and the trans the energy that we receive from the moon. So every time, you kind of develop this style. And, it's, and I think that's so super important, especially for artists that are just starting out, you know, learn and take in and receive, you know, from other people. But be original. Stay true in your alignment. As long as you stay true and you're doing what feels right for you and you're not copying, you know, necessarily copying everyone else and you're staying truly original, that is going to get you somewhere if you stay consistent with it.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think looking at your work and just seeing the collection of all these various artists under one cover is mm-hmm. all the more reason for someone to pick up your book and, and really have it um, and look through it. I think from just us discussing the difference that we were able to cover in our show today, it yeah. presents a Aww. stark differentiation between each of the artists' approach and where they are able to provide images that represent their viewpoints and images that represent how they see it through their lenses and their talents right. combine that to create the images that they have and like you said they some of them have done mystical journeys, spiritual journeys um i just I just think taking that and using their creative energy and talent to, and that you guys showcased it in such a great way. It's a great collection Thank you. it really is.
1: Thank you so much. much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a, it it was, I mean, for me, it was very eye opening and I drew so much strength and inspiration and guidance and, you know, this feeling of like belonging that I did not have before we put this book together. Before we put this book together, I mean, I was going through what they would call like the dark night of the soul. And, you know, I was, I felt very alone. I felt, You know, like I didn't, I really couldn't connect with anybody. And I realized we were talking with each of these women that we all have the same, you know, insecurities, you know, and it really gave me the sense of belonging. And so that's what I want other people, you know, also when they pick up this book and they actually read and they look into the paintings, I want people to say, wow, I'm really not alone you know, I and draw inspiration Definitely. from that and be uplifted.
0: Absolutely. Beautifully said. I wanted to ask you, absolutely. I want to ask you, how long did it take you to put this together? How like how many, how many months or how how long did it actually take you to combine all these artists under one cover? I think it was about one year that
2: it took. Is that right, Rebecca? About a year? Um, so, so, a it took it a about a year, a year to do the interview yeah. and to get everybody's permission and to put everything together. And then another year, um, of going back and forth with the publisher um, during the editing process and the actual arrangement of the photos and everything, but um, I think it was, it was a two-year, but maybe two and, two and a half year, years half total. Year for everything. Two, yeah. yeah, two and a half years total, I think. Well, it's phenomenal.
1: It was a project. It was a project, but it
0: was it. really great fun. Yeah. But this was awesome. We,
1: we got to create it together, David and I.
0: Uh, you created something that you both have as a creative venture that will outlive all of us and oh, represent something so important. Yeah. I want to ask you, looking at your work, Women of Visionary Art, and going through this as we were able to do today, for anyone in our audience that's an aspiring artist, what recommendation would you have for them to pursue their passion in today's society?
1: Do You want to take that back, No, you <laughs> well, go for uh, it. I think I kind of uh, spoke uh, my piece. Well,
0: I, a a after I, say. I mean, That's one of the questions
2: that we asked everybody in the book. Um, you know, what, what 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 uh what recommendations would you give to the young artists, or especially the young women artists who are reading this? And um, they gave different, you know, different advice. Um, some of the women said that you know um, it's important to develop your own style. Um, and to not copy other people. Um, it's important to usually have a, a second job so that you're not financially dependent on it right away. It's important to not give up and, and to uh, you know keep persevering. Um, it's important to do what you really enjoy and what you love because if you're not enjoying it and not loving it, you're, you're not going to want to do it for just hours on end um, when you're not really getting paid very much for it.
1: And I would say also have a schedule, really. Have a schedule and go follow that schedule. You know, I, and I learned that from Alison Gray. You know, I was like, wow, you're a mom and you're, you know, you're building Cosm and Entheon now and you've done all these bodies, huge paintings, like how, how do you keep it all together? And she's like, you know, everything I do in life is an art and I have to schedule my day out and I follow that. And as long as you do that and stay on that schedule, then you'll be okay. You know, things will fall through or come together. That's great.
0: right. We have about three minutes left. I want to ask you, where would our audience find, do you have in terms of your website or any information about this book? Uh, I know they could probably go on Amazon and order the book, Women of Visionary Art. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you have regarding a website or any information that you'd like to share via social media that you'd like to share with our audience so that they can find out more information about you directly or contact you personally.
1: Okay, so I have a website. It's RebeccaAnnHill.com, R E B E C C A A N N H I L L. And um this is also in the book too. I have it the my web address, but this is a web address and it has Basically, you know, everything about me, I'm very open, and I, you know, I write a blog called Go Ask Molly, and I uh, do my photography art. I share, um, you know, I share my journey, my process, all of the light, all of the dark. I have a page up there a bit in his work and where you can find his interviews. Now, I also have a page where you can get uh, limited edition signed autograph uh, copies of this book on my in my merchandise shop. And I, you know, I sell prints of my work too. But um, also the Inner Traditions website. You can also purchase this book from their website, and I they're going to be in bookshops. Then they say that they're in certain um, bookshops now. David, uh, I think Target, Barnes yeah. and Noble, a few. More. Yeah,
2: almost almost every major bookstore really. You can, you can yeah. find it. Inner, yeah. Inner, Inner Traditions has has very good. Uh, distribution, so you should be able to find the book easily in bookstores. Uh, like Molly, like you and Molly said, Amazon, Inner Traditions websites has it. Molly's website, com, is where you can get autographed copies of the book. My website is MavericksOfTheMind.com. And um, mm-hmm. you can follow me on Facebook. is a good way to stay in touch with uh, the latest work that I'm doing. I'm um, the author of 16 books. Uh, this is my sixth or seventh book of interviews. I've written two science fiction novels, two health science books, mm-hmm. and a couple books about lucid dreaming and um, psychedelics. Uh, you can find my books on uh, the Amazon sales page for David J. Brown. And stay in touch with me on Facebook. and Instagram. is both have Instagram, too. Yeah, And this has been a real pleasure. So thank you so much for inviting us on your show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I,
1: this has been really fun. Even though I was <laughs> sick, it was still
0: fun. You know so what? You. I, I will tell you this. Thank you so much for both coming on. I'll tell you that. I've been doing this for about six months, and I love it. It's uh, something that I I I just enjoy so much being able to do and have people, great people like you, come on and share your passion. Aww. I think
1: Yeah, it's really cool what you're doing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? Yeah. From my vantage point being able to share your information with our audience, anyone information and goes and gets your book and looks at it, I will tell everyone in our audience that <laughs> one of my favorite new pieces to include on my coffee table is your book because there's just so much me. incredible <laughs> imagery. And I, I, I'm very, I'm very honest with that. I, I, I will tell you that I really enjoy this um, interview today and just having an opportunity of getting a, a sample of some of the artists that you featured I yeah, encourage everyone again, to purchase this. I mean, definitely, yeah, I would love so that. Much. I would love that. Okay. Thank you for coming yeah, on for both of you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. All right. And All right. Uh, keep up your good work with the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
2: Thank so, you. So, so, you. So, you'll, so you'll so you'll send us an email when the um, when the edited interview is
0: ready to um, to Correct. share with people. Okay. Great. Definitely. We're still recording, so but I will get in touch with both of you and uh, share this information with you once it becomes finalized.
1: Beautiful. Great. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you, guys. Have okay, a great one. Right. Thank you, you so much. Have a blessed night. All right, take care. All right. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. I just wanted to personally thank this evening uh, David J. Brown and Rebecca Ann Hill for coming on to our show. I want to thank Rebecca for being on the show. I know she wasn't feeling up to it earlier. Hope she gets better. I know that they're out in California, and they've been dealing with the forest fires and it's impacted a lot of people out there. And I can tell you at the time of this recording that my heart goes out to everybody in California that might be listening or know people out there that are being impacted by the forest fires. I will tell you that Women of Visionary Art is an incredible celebration of different female artists who present themselves in a, in a distinct manner. I think if you pick up this book and you look at it, experience these different works of art and and have the background for each artist that is presented with these interviews. You'll be deeply, I have a good feeling that you'll look at each of these images and get your own viewpoint, your own take on what's being portrayed in these uh, works of art. Art is an important part of our society. It is something that should never be neglected or underfunded. I think that we should support our artists wholeheartedly And I welcome this book to hopefully help inspire the future artists of our country. Thank you so much for listening to our show this evening. And if you have any questions, you could always reach me directly at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. I'm also available. We have social media, Instagram and Facebook, as well as other platforms that you could find us and uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore with the baker's plus card it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump the baker's plus card all you do is win big big savings sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving bakers fresh for everyone Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the Best
2: Business Network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts, and hear the culture.
0: ElectroCast.
2: This is Unapologetically Fab.
0: An Electric cat production.
2: We'll see you there.